survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 19 and in this edition we return to Paul W.S. Anderson's Wild Ride with Resident Evil Extinction and Resident Evil Afterlife. This is Film Club Andersonverse Part 2. My name is Soniac, you can just call me Cyan. Joining me on the panel this week, we struggle, we fight, we watch our friends die. Podcasting is a bitch. It's boy wonder Adam Russell Reeves. Good day. We fought the infection, we survived the apocalypse, and now we face Resident Evil live-action films. It's Moist Outlet, aka James. Hello! Hurts, doesn't it? Well, that's just the start of the bad news. All those powers of yours, speed, strength, podcasting about things that don't suck, well, you can kiss all of those goodbye, it's Fire Button Steve Valance. I'm Steve, and I only remember some other things. <laughs> This episode of the podcast, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Join now to hear the podcast early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast or on our social media accounts. You can also support the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month with various tiers, each with their own perks. Check out patreon.com forward slash FASpraypod for a full list and a chance to create bonus first stage spray content. First things first, before we roll into an absolute ton of headlines, got to do the Patreon shoutouts. So a uh, special thanks to our most recent supporters. Thank you to Cass Caton. Thank you to Mike Martin, who is working with us on Resident Evil The Beginning. And thank you to Nick Swain, the OG first aid spray fan. So with that out of the way, let's get into the news. Right, first topic. A series of Resident Evil 8 rumours have begun to spread courtesy of Biohazard Declassified. How so, are we taking this one? This was something that I... We talked a little bit about rumours and whether or not we're going to cover them. Uh, and we said before we won't be covering every tiny rumour. And um, We've talked about Dusk Golem stuff because a lot of... He has a history of being correct with the stuff that he says. Uh, and Biohazard Declassified, when they came out with this, we kind of stepped back from it a little bit. Um, personally speaking, I don't know what their history with leaks and stuff is, and it just seemed a little bit suspicious, and we weren't going to cover it at all, uh, and yet following that, it seems that many people have come out and said that a lot of what they've heard also lines up with Biohazard Declassified stuff as well, um, Dust Golem, uh, Chaotic Claire, people who have a history of having actual contacts at Capcom. So it's very possible that there is truth to this. But again, with every rumour and stuff that we talk about, uh, take it with some degree of salt. Um, so running down just the basics of these leaks is that um, the game tested last year was Resident Evil 8, but it might not be called Resident Evil 8. It will be a follow-up to 7 in the way that it's first person, and Ethan will be a playable character. It will be set in a rural, snowy, mountainous region, possibly Europe. Uh, regular zombies will be appearing, and future, like further leaks from the original story now says that they'll be wearing armor and potentially like wielding swords and stuff. Uh, there is a persistent shadowy female enemy. There are wolf-like creatures, not to be confused with werewolves, as lots of people are reporting. And Chris Redfield will return in some capacity, perhaps with a revised design, and most interestingly, on the bad side of things. That's quite a lot to just like. I'd Drop. So he's oh. not a hero. He's yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, 
I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, Adam, how do you feel about all this? Do you think there's some validity to this? And how would you feel if that's kind of the direction that it, uh, this goes? It, yeah, it kind of sounds a bit mental. Mm. But I guess if you were to take beats out of any of the other sort of games and put them out of contest, they would sound mental as well. So, mm. um, zombies in the mountains with swords, you know, the classic Europeans. Um, mm. That's just, I, I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm trying to avoid anything about it right now because I feel like um, the details are just so sparse that it's kind of like getting excited over nothing at the moment. Um, I would rather look forward to Resident Evil 3, and then after that, we'll see where we go with 8. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, also, as part of all these details, is that the release is not expected for another year and a half or two years. So, I mean, right. who knows what this will become, you know, could get casted aside or something like that. But uh, you're you're right. Like, none of this sounds... When you think about it as having as little context as we do, it does sound strange, but in, I'm sure it actually makes sense in the full context because you could take lots of stuff out of Resi 4. Uh, exactly. You and... could be like, there's a lake and then there's a guy with a chainsaw and, you know, there's a... Mm. And you'd be like, wait, what the hell? Right, exactly, yeah. So, That's... yeah, you know. I mean, the suits of armor's in that with swords and plaggers in them. Precisely. And again, the wolf-like thing, lots of people are freaking out being like, werewolves in my Resident Evil game? Well, that's not what the wording says. And also, is it really that strange? We've had, like, plant-based zombies. We've got, you know, uh, spider women, all kinds of yeah, insane in, in stuff. Yeah, in 4, so. there are, like, wolves anyway, you know? So. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, we're drawing the line at werewolves in a game that has zombies, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And the whole zombies with armor thing, can I just say, they were in, admittedly, not the best chapters of RE6, but we've already had those annoyances in the, in the <laughs> Simmons Steve, family crypt. If we get werewolves, Steve, that's just one step away from vampires. And then we're in a whole world of Twilight. <laughs> uh, well, we've, we've already kind of technically had vampires, right? We've, oh, we've dang. Got... Almost. Like, With a Wesker looking like Blade half the time, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> James, uh, how do you feel I'm, about all this? Yeah, I, I'm. A, I'm. If uh, if the set, the thing I'm most excited about is the setting, because mm. um, I like snow, I like mountains, I like outdoorsy stuff, um, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm not excited about any kind of dog-like enemy in a game. Because they always kick my ass, whether it be <laughs> Resident Evil, Dark Souls, or any other game. Anything that's small and fast, I always get my ass kicked by them. But it's still, you know, that's that's going to scare me um, if that is the case. But yeah, as uh, like with Adam, I'm going to um, to give an opinion about it. I'm like proper opinion. I'm going to wait until more information is released. Absolutely. I think, interestingly. Um... I mean, I know I just said I don't want to have an opinion on it, but I feel like a, a frozen kind of mountain side could could play pretty well into um, survival. They could add a bit more survival into the survival horror, so that might be interesting, but we should mm, wait yeah. and see. Yeah, it's definitely a setting that could be explored more. We've, we've had a little bit of it before, but not, not too much. Outside's always right. Castles, again, something that could be expanded upon. So in terms of like the basics, sounds fine with me. I'm happy with that. That's what we get. This whole Chris bad guy thing, <laughs> not really sure how to take that. 
lots of people are speculating, obviously, that RE7 Chris is a clone again now, or he's hunk, or some nonsense. Um, goodness, let's hope not. Steve, how do you feel about that, that little bit at the end there? Chris apparently turning on and or killing Ethan, apparently. See, right, Hunk, Hunk's not evil. He's just professional, okay? Mm -hmm. Right, he just gets the job done. But now, um, Chris, as a villain, it's going to be a rug pull. It's going to be another Carla Redames or whatever you pronounce it. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's been probably. too long a hero. Plus, everyone would literally, like, you know, go, all right, that's it. We're cancelling Capcom. We're going to go get Resident Evil somewhere else, even though we can't. <laughs> Maybe maybe Chris is the bad guy because Ethan turns out to be a naughty man. He's the bad guy. So right. Chris is the good guy, but he's the bad guy to you. Ah, so I flip perspective. I mean, oh, Ethan was meant to be some kind of like umbrella thing in one at one point or whatever, wasn't it? Like there's an Ethan W in one of the documents in RE5, and one was like, <gasps> same guy, same yeah. guy. It's never um, really been proven that that's a coincidence or not, but most, I mean, generally easy to just disregard that as a coincidence, but maybe not. Maybe they're bringing that back. Oh, I'm on team coincidence, but Capcom can do what they like. They write the stories. Mm -hmm. um, overall, though, I mean, it could be fun. It's probably going to be, if he actually is legitimately evil, there will be some way to retcon it or, you know, adjust it. Like, there'll be a little gem on his chest that they have to rip out. <laughs> uh, or whatever, like, like they did with Battlesuit Jill, you know, before mm -hmm. she got in her Eva's. It, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I, I, evil Chris, I just can't see it, unless it literally is a case of, turns out Ethan is a, is a proper badden. But mm -hmm. it, it just seemed like, like I said on the RE7 podcast, he seems like a regular guy who, like, swears when I swear. So that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. That's, that's fair. I mean, he's got the most that they can add to there. So, yeah, technically perhaps you align him in a different direction and you're playing from kind of a different perspective for once and kind of trying to get away from Chris, who is, yeah, maybe he's not the bad guy so much. I could see that very much. So uh, that should probably... I mean, again, we don't want to cover that too much. We'll see what happens from here on out. I expect at this point we're probably not going to hear much more from that for a while now, um, whatever the case. Uh, if it's... If there's something to say, we'll bring it up, but otherwise we're going to try and keep away from reporting on um, unsubstantiated rumours like that. Yeah, that seems fair. Right, our next topic then. Netflix series uh, the Netflix series plot synopsis has been unearthed. Uh, I don't know the legitimacy of this, so you might need Sai to clarify. Yes, yeah, so this yeah. one is pretty much 100%. We are literally just waiting on Netflix to make the announcement now. Um, been a long, long discussion about whether or not there's going to be a series made, uh, and no one would prove anything either way. Um, it's come back up again recently. There was a leaked plot synopsis a couple of weeks ago about two Wesker children, which was utterly insane. Uh, whether or not that's part of the show, we still don't know. But um, that that brought up a lot of talk. I believe it was Mona. Uh, from, uh, what's the name of the website? Biohazard Database, I think, or Resident Evil Database, I apologise. Um, and she reached out to Netflix to confirm whether or not such a show exists, and they said it did exist. Uh, then she went to poke around on the Netflix Media Centre website and unearthed the Resident Evil plot synopsis on that website, got a screen cap of that, and then very soon after that, it was pulled from the website. So that pretty much confirms it. So the plot synopsis 
is thus. The town of Clearfield, MD, has long stood in the shadow of three seemingly unrelated behemoths, the Umbrella Corporation, the decommissioned Greenwood Asylum, and Washington, D.C. Today, 26 years after the discovery of the T-virus, secrets held by the three will start to be revealed at the first signs of outbreak. So, that is a very different kind of setup. It's a very different setting. How do we feel about that if that is the setup for this Netflix show, which is all but confirmed? James, what do you think? Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this because I, 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 uh, I, I've really got to applaud Netflix recently for their success when it comes to TV series and adaptations. Like they've done so well. It's the first time we've really had successful adaptations one after the other. So I'm really excited for the Resident Evil one. I'm not sure where they're going to go. Um, it says here, like I seen that there was a um, someone. Uh, where is it? Um, someone mentioned that um, it's going to you're going to see the dark inner workings of the Umbrella Corporation. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we're going to get like a lot of political kind of things going on, which would be neat to see because you don't really see that in the Resident Evil games. Um, yeah, and we're, we're discovering a new place. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, very excited about it, or and I can't wait. I mean, not much more has been given to us. Yeah, 26 years later. So this is set in 2022. Am I right? Is my math right? It depends when it says when discovered. Right? Is that what they said the synopsis? So it 26 could be literally... years after the discovery. So that would be sometime in the 80s. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Even better then. So we're going. So it could we're be. Going it's down. not. Yeah, it's not one to one, but it's around ninety, the nineties or early two thousands. If they're even following that timeline, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This so could be something with that. Separate. That's kind of that's the kind of neat because I mean because there's there's a big gap between like the sixties and seventies and like the nineties, isn't there? Like mm -hmm. in the Resident Evil um, timeline. So that'd be really, really neat to, to to see and to discover. And we know that Netflix, uh, uh, with Stranger Things, for instance, can do an '80s TV show. So, <laughs> you know, so yeah, excited, excited. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the setting because it's vague enough that we, you know, that could be any time. If this is a completely separate timeline, that could be any time. You don't know when their T virus was invented. There's not anything to say one way or the other if it's going to be set in the actual canon. There could be a clear field in the Resident Evil universe that happens to be uh, also kind of have Umbrella's influence over it and that kind of thing. Um, I would expect this to be non-canon, but again, we don't know for sure. I think the whole 80s Resident Evil thing is something that you and I have spoken about before, Steve, because there's, there's so much you can do with that. I want it. I need yeah. It. So how do you feel about the potential for that and the potential for the show in general? Uh, well, see, I'm a bit... I don't know enough to really cast much judgment, but I do know that Netflix, like like James has said, it has cred. Castlevania is mwah, fantastic. And then you've got The Witcher, which I haven't played the games, but I have heard nothing but praise for the show from fans of the games. Yeah. Which gives me the insight that they are probably going to do right by it. Now, the thing that worries me is, like I was talking to uh, Sonny on the Crimson Head Elder guys about this the other day, and if Constantine film or anyone related to like screen gems are involved in this. They, their, their ways, as I'm sure we're going to go into on the actual podcast proper could completely ruin it and turn it into a bit of a shit show. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I mean, that is the worry. There's nothing even really to say that this isn't part of the movie canon. 
Yeah, but if this is a slow-paced, like, slow-burn thing where they build up the conspiracy, play with the characters and let things build up, and it's not just, oh, no, there's a zombie, blam, 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 flamethrower mm. sequence, it, it'll be great. You know, I, I love a slow-paced, like, drama where it builds up to complete hell on Earth, you know? That that would be cool. Uh, I'm just hoping it is that and not just, my name is Alice. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Adam, how do you feel about this potential Netflix uh, promos? Um, like James said, Netflix, I feel like they've been pretty, pretty good about their, um, their original programming. I'm super excited. I really enjoyed most of the stuff they put out. I really enjoyed Umbrella Academy, which is a comic book spinoff. So it's not too far out of the realm Mm. of say Resident Evil. Um, there is a town called Clearfield in Maryland as well. So, um, we're actually basing it in a real place this time, as opposed to, fictional raccoon city or you know arclay mountains or whatever um so i feel like it's gonna be a lot more toned down because they're basing it in a real place i imagine it's not gonna be crazy alice submachine gun like nonsense it will be more i feel like this is probably gonna be more of a tense show um I'm I'm hoping at least because it'll be right up my alley if it mm-hmm. is. Uh and I would also like to see it set around the eighties just because it's nice to get rid of a lot of current technology, which could you know, the the problem I feel like a lot of horror tropes have nowadays is current technology almost invalidates a lot of them. They always have to find a reason that, oh, my cell phone isn't working. Yeah. You know. Um it would be nice to go to a time where we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff where where realistically a town could potentially be completely isolated, um, especially as in America, um, like it's going to sound weird to you guys because it's you guys actually had it pretty early on compared to the, to America is um, the internet. So a lot of towns in America, and especially small towns, still run on dial-up. Um, it's, I'm, I'm not even joking, it's true. <laughs> to this day, a lot of towns do. Um, it's very weird. Um, but yeah, so I think it could be interesting because you can even potentially remove like, you know, obviously in the eighties, there wasn't much internet, but there was a small murmurings of it and big Mm -hmm. companies had that kind of infrastructure. So uh, it wouldn't be too, uh, unbelievable for umbrella to have something like that, but not be like the crazy, ridiculous umbrella we see in the movies that have more money than sense, clearly, from the flipping structures they're building. We'll get into that soon. (laughs) Umbrella and their stupidness. I hate them. (laughs) What I will say about this is quite interesting is that, obviously, we've been talking about... um, We spoke about the rumours of Netflix a while back, and we talked about the chatter going on about a live action film now obviously we don't know what's going on there maybe there is no live action film this maybe this is what it's become maybe they've turned it into a show maybe there's both if there's going to be a film and a show surely it makes sense to tie those into the same universe and not tie this in with the previous films time to leave them in the dust and move forward so if there is both i have high hopes that they're going to be connected and you know, assuming they'll be good, but that's quite a, a cool thing to have a show and a movie connected like that. And again, it's very modern um, to have this like cinematic universe. So it seems like something that whoever the company is working behind the scenes on this show might like to do something like that. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah, tentatively excited. We don't know enough yet, but I assume that uh, it will probably all come to light sooner rather than later with these leaks. Uh, so, yeah, we will report on that in the future. Our last story today, then. Capcom have, just yesterday, at the time of recording, revealed two new masterminds for Resident Evil Resistance. Yeah. Either way, sorry. That's... Uh... Quite a surprise. I mean, we put out that video uh, a good while back about what masterminds we'd like to see, and I was very excited that they didn't mention any of them. In fact, they've gone even like in wilder ways that I wouldn't have thought about. So Spencer, Oswell E. Spencer, is one of these, um, and he will be coming with a disintegration field rather than a tyrant to control. Um, Boo! Since, <laughs> since he's very much about traps and being passive... Um, which opens up some possibilities there. We were talking about it on the server. Somebody said that they'd heard um, sort of like speculation that if Wesker was in it, perhaps he's his own tyrant and he drops himself into the battlefield. Love that idea. Um, and speaking of Fine, Wesker... I'll do it myself. Exactly. That's very Wesker, right? And yeah. speaking of Wesker, we also have Alex Wesker confirmed, which was... It's taking the internet by storm. Fantastic redesign. Um, and she comes with a brand new BOW called, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Yate, Yatavio? Yatavio? <laughs> I have no idea. It's some sort it sounds of like a tree. It sounds like a yogurt that's good for your digestive system. Yatavio. She comes with her BOW, Yakult. Uh, so... <laughs> So that was a, a big surprise. There's some new maps as well to go along with them that have been revealed. A casino and an abandoned park. And somewhat, for me, personally speaking, best of all, it's been confirmed that all of this doesn't actually exist. It's all non-canon. We don't have yeah. to worry about making that fit. Let's go wild and have just ridic a ridiculous, fun multiplayer experience. They're Woo. kicking the door down. I'm really, really excited about this. Adam, how do you feel about this? Um, I'm more excited now. Uh, mm. um, I was before and especially that it's kind of like its own very distinct thing now um, I'm uh, honestly just more excited that we're probably just going to get together as a little gang and play it um, I think that'll be a lot of fun yeah. um, I'm upset about Spence though I want like uh, I want like a little leech monster or something you know <laughs> I love those little guys that would be Marcus, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. oh Marcus sorry I completely but to be fair, my Resident Evil. here's the cool thing though, right? If Spencer's a playable mastermind, how great would it be to have Marcus and an Ashford in there as well? We get all yes. three of them. Yeah. That'd be so cool. It's something that could never be done in a canon game, really. Yeah, I completely um, fluffed on my, my brain there. I'm sorry. That's, that's cool. <laughs> in that case, I want Spencer out and Marcus in. <laughs> <laughs> Delay that's the Marcus, game. <laughs> Which Marcus, though? Do you want young Sephiroth Marcus, or do you want old, weird Marcus? No, I want old Marcus as the controller, and then he summons young Marcus, which is <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Steve, how do you feel about Project Resistance's uh, latest reveals? I love it. I just uh, I hope that, uh, you know, if there are themed maps for the characters, I hope we do get, like, maybe not the Spencer estate, but something like it for him, because... A casino doesn't really fit, and the, ho the horror house is probably Alex's domain because that was her thing in Revelations 2, you know, psychologically traumatizing you, well, mm. uh, allegedly, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and obviously Franz Kafka every five minutes. <laughs> I'm uh, playing through it right now, so yes, can category. 
Yeah, uh, but the, the pair of them are great picks because we never had Oswell as a active threat. He's always been the shadowy man behind the scenes or in that one game, an impaled dead dude during a boss fight. You know, he's not not been present. So it'd be nice to see what he's like, so to speak, even if it's non-canon sense. That's... He's always killing his staff off, but we never see him do anything. And obviously Alex is just amazing. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's. I'm really glad to see her brought back as well. I mean, obviously they mentioned her a little bit in sort of like information pieces about the game, but to actually have her as part of it, and these characters are going to get new dialogue as well. So expect me to be playing as the mastermind chasing you all around, going, "I was expected to be good" and all that nonsense. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. James, how do you feel about Resistance? Um. So. I didn't get to play the demo, which I'm really sad about, um, but I will be playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, it's funny we're talking about this because me, I did a really late night stream yesterday and me, me and Steve were having a little chat about future masterminds. And I, I, I also don't know much about Alex because I haven't played the game that Alex is yeah, in. Yeah, of course. But, but Spencer, I love Spencer. Um, but yeah, we were talking about uh, what future masterminds we could have. And I was thinking like we could have like an evil Jill right for instance <laughs> oh, yeah right? true yeah we could have like annette birkin um as well uh we could yeah and that's so, already I, confirmed james and that's already confirmed she is indeed she is yep sweet okay um but yeah yeah I, I think there was a couple others but it was very late so i've forgotten but yeah i i i'm really excited about it i'm really excited and yeah I, adam said earlier that it would be really fun to get us all together and play and that i can't wait for if we can just all get together and just have a good time in this game um yeah i'm just God, Resident Evil is, is cool, guys. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. I love it. I can't. Is, I can't wait. Isn't it nice to be that excited about it? We're uh, just under two months away, so we'll start planning some stuff. We'll probably do some streams, hopefully, if we can make it work of, uh, of some resistance stuff. So... Just, to, just to jump in, just before we move on, is it's, it's nice that the positivity is high for this mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. Well, the game was attached to Remake 3. It's like, this could be a multiplayer cash grab and all the rest of it. It's like, it's bundled in with this other game that they were going to probably sell like hotcakes anyway. So let's just hope it's fun. And like, everyone's like really hyped for it now, which is, it's nice to see because community's a bit shaky lately. There's a lot of hostility that doesn't need to be. Let's have fun. That's fair. That's fair. When it was announced that it was part of Remake 3, I think a lot of people were a little bit upset that Mercenaries isn't coming back. And they saw this as a bit basic. It is riffing on a formula that's been done uh, by other more modern titles at the moment. We've got a bunch of like generic uh, high schooler playable characters. I can see where some of the cynicism came from. But now that Capcom are going basically into fan service mode, uh, yeah, we've got all, all good rights to be excited, I think. And now, reading the file Restaurant Owner's Diary from Resident Evil Survivor, Holly S, who you can follow on Twitter, at VR Alexander. October 4th, 1998. I heard an unbelievable story. A small town in America, Raccoon City, was destroyed last week. They said that all the residents turned into zombies, and the city is now completely deserted. Umbrella Incorporated is rumored to be behind the incident, but I don't know the details. Although the incident occurred far from here, across the sea, I can't help but feel anxiety if Umbrella is truly behind it. I hope that the city will be okay. October 6th, 1998. I heard another interesting story. 
This one is about William Birkin, who supposedly destroyed Raccoon City. He was the creator of the virus called T or G or whatever. He tried to use the virus for his own purposes. Unbelievable as it may seem, he injected the virus into his own body and turned into a monster. Also, the virus leaked into the sewer and it is rumored that rats spread the virus around the entire city. October 8th, 1998. What should I do? One of the umbrella workers who came here for lunch mentioned that the T-virus is on this island. He said that there's no possibility that an accident could occur here in this city, but I'm not too sure. I decided to work for Umbrella because of the money, but now I've grown tired of opening my restaurant for only Umbrella workers. There is nothing new or interesting left for me in this town. I guess it's time to get out of here before it's too late. Alright, so it's time for Film Club Part 2, the moment you've all been waiting for and we've all been dreading. We'll be handling Resident Evil Extinction and Resident Evil Afterlife, the third and fourth entries in the series. If you want to hear us talk about the first two films, you can find that in the archives as well. So let's start with Resident Evil Extinction. It was released on the 20th of September 2007 and it went to number one on its opening weekend. It has a reported budget of $45 million against a gross of $149 million. Uh, it also has 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it in the bottom half of the franchise. So if you were ranking them out of six, it would be fourth. It was directed by Russell McCallie and produced by Paul W.S. Anderson, Jeremy Bolt at all. So uh, going around the room slightly, let's see if anybody has any memories of this the first time you saw it. Steve, what was your first exposure to Extinction like? Uh, I saw it for my birthday. Was that in, in theatres, yeah? Yeah, because my birthday Worst was very birthday close. Ever. Yeah, the, the thing is, my, friend, my friends were all like, they didn't realise I didn't like the films. So they're like, Steve, I've got you a cinema ticket. I saw go out. Like, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, I, I can't remember much of that night because we all went to the pub afterwards to do our after after film talking, uh, you know, to dissect the film. I think we all just got plastered. So <laughs> yeah, that, that that's my story, pretty the, much for this one. <laughs> the futility of it all, just yeah, get the yeah. beers in. Adam, what was your first experience with Extinction? I think it must have been along the same lines of Steve's blackout drunk because. <laughs> I know I saw it, but I could not tell you when, where. It definitely wasn't in theatres, because I'd definitely given up on it at that point. <laughs> um, I th I probably watched it at a buddy's house on a DVD, because I've never owned it. So, um, And I definitely saw it before streaming was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, But I couldn't tell you anything other than that. James, was this your first time seeing the film for the podcast? Um, no, no. Oh. I um, actually bought... Um, I bought... I think I bought a quadrilogy or something. Right. Um, with all of them in it back... Way back then. Um, because I liked Resident Evil. Like, the first film I liked. Mm -hmm. um, bearing in mind, listeners, this was before I knew the franchise at all. I'd never played the games at this point. Right? So, please... Please don't hurt me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Resident Evil Extinction. Uh, I remember liking the DVD uh, covers or the Blu-ray covers because I quite liked the aesthetic of them. And that's why I bought them. But when I watched it, I realized, no, this is not very good. 
Um, <laughs> I also um, like I have to on the regular go onto Google. We'll talk about more about this later. But I have to on the regular go onto Google uh, to figure out which one is next because chronologically I have no idea what how they go. But yeah, so th this is the third film. I've had to make a note of it on a notepad okay, on my James, PC. Paul W.S. Anderson knows which way it goes. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one. I, I started Extinction on on my rewatch, and I was like, wait a minute. I definitely have missed a lot of stuff because everything's like destroyed in a desert. But no, I hadn't missed anything. <laughs> well, what, do you, what, what do you mean, Adam? Like, Alice tells you exactly what happens in the beginning of the movie. Of every movie, yeah, I remember. Going through it. Uh, oh, yeah, my I, my first experience was didn't I, I watched it? I liked the cover, but I didn't like the movie. Fair enough. This for me uh, was the last one that I saw in cinema. Um, I remember having a decent response to it. It was kind of positive. I think the reason for that was that I liked that it sort of started to strike out on its own a little bit, as much as uh, and again you listen to Film Club One because it was kind of a revelation. Um, I like Apocalypse a bit more now, but I think it was good that the film series at the time was getting away from Raccoon City um, and trying to do something on its own. Watching it now, some of what it's trying to do on its own is basically just Day of the Dead. I don't know if I understood that at the time, uh, if I'd already seen that film. It would have been around the same time, but watching it back, it's not even referencing Day of the Dead. It's, it's just directly copying it at some point. Um, but that was my initial impression. It was like, okay, the Resident Evil films, they're not really the Resident Evil games, but at least they're trying to separate themselves with this one, I felt like. Um, what's so striking about this film compared to the others, to me, is that its setting, I don't really understand where it got that from. I'm not really sure what the choice was there. And I don't know if you guys better fill me in at all, perhaps. Was there, like, a thing going on in cinema with... Um, wastelandy kind of desert things going on because it seems like a very big tonal shift to suddenly jump. Is it months? Is it years into the future? Suddenly everything's ravaged and we all live in a desert. See, um, if it was made a couple of years back, I'd said that it was ripping off Fury Road. But right, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, it is almost kind of like that, but that didn't. I'm exist pretty sure it was just kind of doing its own thing. Mm. Um, in all honesty, um, it is five years into the future. They say during the movie, right, five just years, so you know. Yeah. That is wild, isn't it? Really, why? Five years why? that, like, like skyscrapers in Vegas are covered <laughs> by sand. Like you could, like, it's just like the top ten floors from a skyscraper, <laughs> and it's like five years. And then Claire's like, without the people to keep the sand out, it took over, or whoever said. <laughs> What do you mean the people to keep the sand out? There's not a crew in Vegas that goes around keeping the sand out of Vegas. <laughs> so, so, so during, so during 2007, the great desert, the great <laughs> desert films such as Ratatouille, No Country for Old Men, uh, Knocked Up, and Spider-Man Three came out. So, no, not not much really came out in terms of you know, in, in comparison with all those other films. There's only one. That's film what that I was doing in 2010. <laughs> I was. That's what I was doing in 2010. I was watching on repeat and several times in the theater, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> yeah. Great film. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, there's, there's sand in Spider-Man 3. Sand in No Country for Old Men. There is, actually. You're right. <laughs> but is there sand in Ratatouille? <laughs> <laughs>
So um, let's let's talk about the setting, I guess, before we move into the actual story. How do you guys feel about the the, the desert sort of, and the sudden change of? I don't. It's not really tone, but we're moving out from the sort of industrious look of the last two films. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about Nevada as the setting? I actually kind of like it. You know, it's a place we haven't seen in the games. Uh, we never have desert settings. The closest we've had is like you know Africa, mm-hmm. and it's it's like we're, we're gunning through the desert in a jeep. I actually think it's an underutilized setting for the actual games. As for the show, or sorry, the show, the film, it it feels like bootleg Fallout at times. You know, mm-hmm. like that kind of steampunky. Everything's half broken and like jury rigged stuff. Right. Yeah. Aesthetically, it's great for me. I think that's probably the only part of the film that I am gonna really be keen on. But yeah. Other than that. <laughs> yeah no that's very like it is a bit of a steampunky thing going on people wearing goggles and like shawls and and all that stuff yeah. and you've got like the bus that's all like outfitted with big windows and like, there's probably like spikes on the front from i don't really remember but the, the it bus- does look like nuclear apocalypse right not 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 right. ecological collapse yeah exactly yeah so i guess that's the theory behind it uh yeah adam how do you feel about the desert other than all the I sand think- uh, it's dull as dishwater for me. <laughs> it's it's you know it's a boring location. There's there's nothing there in it. It's uh, it almost entirely unremarkable and un you know it's like they've travelled miles and different places, but it all just looks like it's the same place. It looks like they don't move in this movie. Cheaper set, isn't it? There's there's so much you can do with Vegas, um, and there's so many notable landmarks. And you know, the Grand Canyon is right there. That could be a very interesting, uh, you know, lots of zombies pitching off of the Grand Canyon or something. Um, But they don't do any of that. The closest Mm -hmm. we get is you know the replica Eiffel Tower um, scene, pretty much. Other than that, it's it's entirely forgettable. I I I don't like desert settings in games. Normally, I don't like desert. It's just boring. There's nothing to do there. It's just expanse. And I I kind of understand the bleakness of it. But this film never is never intelligent enough to give you any sense of bleak disparity. So. You know, whatever. So I've got a call out Nick Swain in the chat who said this makes the bucket of sand canon, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this the is the origin point. This is the first day spray law grows. I mentioned yeah. the Eiffel Tower, that is the best line in this film, where, where the, the sniper man, whose name probably never comes up, and if it does, it's not important, climbing the Eiffel Tower with a high-powered rifle would have caused quite a stir a few years ago. That bit actually got me. God, chuckle out of it. That was good when he was like going to climb the Eiffel Tower with a high-powered rifle, and he's like, "I couldn't have said that five years." Right, before. exactly. There's yeah, that. That and was then, a good line. See, I remember that. And then you compare it to the conversation that happens near the beginning of the film, where all the characters are talking about smoking and how they want cigarettes, and look how cool we are because we smoke how in the apartment. Desperate everyone is for cigarettes or weed. <laughs> everyone it's so and this continues through like we talked a little bit about sort of like the edgy edgy new metal vibe of Apocalypse that is exactly the same thing isn't it everyone going oh I wish I could have a smoke it's oh god yeah they it even like has a callback to that conversation when Carlos like finds the joint and he's like you're like oh Jesus (laughs) it was the it was the early 2000s guys you know everyone was a bit edgy 
Exactly. James, how do you feel about the setting? I feel like you've got similar opinions to Adam, I think. <laughs> so, I I grew up around Tomb Raider and studying Egyptians and like kind of desert setting. I I love the desert. I do because I I love what the desert can hide. Um mm. It, it really it really interests me. Like it could hide anything, but can't hide a bad movie. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was. Yeah. You can't. You can't hide it. <laughs> and they were trying to. The thing that they were trying to like. There, there was a big, you know, lab underneath, and like they were trying to make it a big deal, but they're still going with the scandroid kind of stupid eighties, bad eighties nineties uh, overlay that was just so bad. And it just wasn't immersing me. Um, they were in the same room in that lab every single time. Yeah, and that's like, true. Right? It was so boring. Um, but yeah, the, the desert the desert is bad, and the desert should feel bad. In that <laughs> Take that, desert. Yeah. In your face, desert. desert. You've been hot. So you're saying you guys don't like sand? <laughs> Nobody Listen, likes that, sand. That, that, that's going into Star Wars territory. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you all make good points. I like it because it's different, but it doesn't really help um, when it's contributing to what is kind of a very boring film. I felt the pacing in this one was really, really weird. I like the intro, where it's all kind of like Alice wandering around doing the discovery thing. And these are always the best parts of the film, uh, of all the films. When it gets a little bit slowed down, there's the bit in the hotel later with Carlos as well, which is kind of cool, and they're looking around the rooms and they're getting attacked and stuff. And there's a bit at the beginning with Alice where she gets attacked by, essentially, the Bakers uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about ten years prior. Um, but then it all goes just totally dull, and I just I lost sense of what was really going on. Um, how do we feel about the pacing? Adam, start with you. Um, again, like I kind of said already, it feels like it just doesn't move. It's just mm -hmm. a this and and the we're going to talk about the next film. I feel are really just can be like taken down into. You could break this film down into about thirty minutes, maybe less. Um, I feel like it's just a series of set pieces, um, and not much else. It's it's almost hard to talk about the pacing for me because mm -hmm. it, it just seems so flat. Um, one thing I do want to say: you mentioned the weird like Baker family at the beginning. In this movie and in uh, the next movie, they both do the same thing. So the opening monologue um, for this movie states that she, she says that the humans have to keep moving. Uh, if you don't move, the undead kind of like are attracted to you. However, they do that and then they just swarm and swarm. Um, and then she immediately goes to a place where the humans clearly haven't moved for a long time. <laughs> um, and they don't have any undead swarming them whatsoever. They've been there so long that they've made this weird inbred family in five years. Maybe they were already like that before. But hey, they've also managed quiet, to build backward. like a, a weird like <laughs> trap system with pulleys and cables. And no undead have like seemingly come to them whatsoever. So that's just a weird like... We have to keep moving, unless you're this cool inbred family. Zombies <laughs> hate the inbreds. You know, it's just, yeah. But yeah, as for pacing, it just it, it wasn't there for me. I, I honestly, it all just kind of melds into one scene of sand. <laughs> Steve, how do you feel about the pacing? 
Uh, so for someone who really loves the the sci-fi stuff normally, and like you know all the the, the sciency bits and the evil umbrella stuff in the games, you could take every scene with Doctor Isaacs out, and I really wouldn't mind. Yeah, uh, the, the film is is bad enough cutting away to random places here, there, and everywhere. I I feel like cutting to an entire different location with. All oh, right, they've just survived a massive attack. Let's have a board meeting. <laughs> uh, you know, like, we're just having an investigation of this building. Let's uh, experiment with this zombie doing the whole Day of the Dead bit. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And now back to the plot. You know, it's, why? Why? This film, I feel like if we had just took Alice and Dr. Isaacs out, chopped them away, and went, now nah, you guys see a bit, and we just had like a road movie of, of Claire and her goons trying to survive, I probably would have actually enjoyed it. A little bit more. (laughs) I find that really interesting. I I definitely see what you mean. Because like the Isaac story, where he's looking to use Alice's blood to do something. (laughs) Make a cure with a question mark? Right. They want to make the the zombies useful in some fashion. But the world is now buried under a million feet of sand. So I don't really see what the purpose of that is. Um, It does go on to have these sort of like intelligent zombies... Uh, which makes you realise yes, this entire sorry. the plot strand for that basically just centred around the fact they wanted running zombies in the film. That's that's essentially what it just boils down to. I think that's and boiler suits, lots of boiler suits. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, but but for me, what I disagree with is I would just watch if it was all Ian Glenn as Doctor Isaacs because he's the best thing in the film. He is the most interesting thing in the film because he's the best actor far and away. Um, there's one scene with, and it's hilarious because Chairman Wesker just makes me laugh like the little pudgy Wesker man. He has, <laughs> he's got no like charisma at all. He's not interesting or daunting. He's meant to be like alluringly mysterious. He's the powerful head of Umbrella in this, and he's as bland as anything. You got Ian Glenn. I think just, he's played by an animatronic. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Chuck E. Cheese robot compared to he Ian absolutely Glenn. Absolutely is. Right, just... I'll concede Isaacs is cool, but he has like they just put him in random bits. He's never got like a, he's not got a decent plot to right, it. It's just like I, randomly appears. I agree. I agree. His story is absolute nothing. But I'm glad he's here because he made it bearable. Uh, James, how do you feel about the pacing? And and now we've got to it. The story at large. Yeah. Um. So yeah, since we're talking about pacing, like. Uh, the, just the cutting of the scenes constantly just threw me off. I in my notes here, which I have extensive amounts, um, I called the the inbred family Desert Family Robinson, um, and I don't understand how, why they how 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 did they tie her up? How did they tie her up? Even though she had the ability to kick a guy to death with one kick. <laughs> She can blow people's yeah. brains up by looking at them as well. Just yeah, she it, kicks a guy to death with one kick, and then like she takes one hit to the head, and she's mm-hmm. out. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, I didn't understand any of that. And then the do- uh, do- correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because I think people keep correcting me on this. But aren't weren't Cerberus created in the lab? Cerberus were, um, and then in so we're talking about game law. Um, Cerberus were created in the lab, but also zombie dogs exist, which are just dogs that ah, have been infected by okay. whatever means. Um, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, I could go on forever. But yeah, it's dogs ripping out pillars out walls. I don't understand that. They don't have superhuman strength. They're still dogs. Um, <laughs> like I don't. Yeah, 
Um, everything being beige, boring. Um, but yeah, it was just the pacing was bad because I wasn't following it and it wasn't drawing. It wasn't drawing me in. Like mm -hmm. I deliberately yesterday, I said it in the chat. I said that I wanted to watch a good film before and I wanted to watch a good film after to really appreciate good pacing. But yeah, pacing, uh, it, it's just really rushed and then it slows down and then it picks up again with no real connection um, to the story or whatever's happening. I agree with you, Sai, by the way. Ian Glenn is a fantastic actor, right? And I think he's way too big for this film. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I'm glad he got like big... Uh, big roles like Game of Thrones, etc. Because right, he is yeah. so he's so good as an actor. Um, but yeah, the pacing is bad in terms of the story. Are we talking about story? Go for it. Um, yeah, um, the story is just a. It, 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 they're, they're trying to do Resident Evil One, the story in Resident Evil One, but in the desert, right? Right, because. But it's with Alice, and she's for some reason super. And I'm gonna say it the first time in this podcast because I said it a bunch. Of, who the fuck is Alice again? <laughs> right? Who who is she? Why are they here? Why are they remaking her? Why is she using a supermarket sweep trolley to rush through windows? I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the story the story is bad. Um, because it just doesn't connect. Nothing connects. And because mm -hmm. the pacing's bad, you can't connect to it yourself as a viewer. Um, yeah. I could I could keep going on, but uh, they, we have other people on the show, so... Right. They they didn't make any attempt to fill in any of Alice's backstory still at this point, like you pointed out. Um, it's very much a Mary Sue. Um, she gets to do a bunch of unrealistic things. She has this uh, ridiculous moment somewhere in the middle of the film where... So one thing that's interesting about this one I found um, is that they didn't... So the, the first film had zombies, dogs, liquors, stuff like that. The second film, obviously Nemesis is the big draw. Um, with this one, they didn't expand too much. We've obviously got sort of a tyrant-looking thing. We'll get to that. Um, and I, and then the other thing they picked was crows, of all things. So Birdemic happens in the middle of this film at some yes. point. Yes, um, yes. And Alice fights them off using her psychokinetic powers, uh, stops all these explosions and redirects it back at them or something. I don't know what, I was kind of half watching, I'll be completely honest. Uh, <laughs> it's just utter nonsense. Like, how can you connect with a character like that? Um, and in terms of the other rest of the cast, there's not much to them either, really. Um, I nicknamed the... Um, the school bus driver, Hugh Laurie meets Artful Dodger, because that's what he looks like. Um, <laughs> there's a character called Kmart, because they thought it was clever. And then in the next film, when they have to talk about her in a serious sense, it's completely ridiculous. And of course, the most important one is Ali Lata plays Claire. Now, I actually don't mind Ali Lata as an actress, and I don't really even mind her as Claire somewhat, especially as like an older sort of Revelations 2 sort of Claire. But her writing's just... Again, just bland. There's nothing there. Like, they didn't think about what her personality was. They just went, now we have another female character. Plonk, and that's it. Steve, how yeah, do you feel she... about the casting? Sorry, James, you go on. Yeah, she, she didn't have any substance. No, exactly. Like, in, my, in my notes, I've I've literally put her down as Claire Beigefield. <laughs> like, the rest... Because that is what she is compared to the rest of the... The rest of the film is beige. Everyone's wearing beige or khaki. She is beige as her personality. <laughs> but yeah, go on, Steve. Yeah, I didn't mind the uh, the generic Fallout cast that they were. I I felt that 
while the Claire we know and love wasn't represented in Ali Lars's performance and the writing of the character in general, generally liked them more than anything else. I thought they could have their own little adventures on their own. I the, the thing I want to draw most attention to is that in Apocalypse, they did a lot dirtier by Jill while maintaining Jill's personality. Whereas in this, it's, it's the flip side. Claire gets action scenes that are her own and don't get underwritten by Alice, like going and going, I can do anything you can do, but better. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's a very weird juxtaposition that we've got Jill, who looks great, acts like Jill, but everything she does, Alice ruins, whereas Claire looks nothing like Claire, behaves nothing like Claire, gets to be a badass in her own right. Yeah, she gets to make some decisions and stuff, whereas Jill was very much just a background character. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, well, at she, this point. She's like second billing, I suppose. She's like the second protagonist, almost. Yeah. Unless you count Isaacs. But he's more of an antagonistic, like, well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's very true. She supersedes some of the, like, cast that carry over. Um, I don't know if you watched this with the IMDb trivia on again, Adam, as you did last time. I didn't this time. Ah, well, here's a fun fact that I found looking up this film. Um, the character of Angie from Resident Evil Apocalypse obviously doesn't appear um, in this film. According to the Resident Evil Extinction novelization, the reason for that is, and this also kind of explains a scene from the film itself, so perhaps it was meant to be in the script, is the satellite that turns Alice's sort of like umbrella controlled stuff on and makes her freeze and whatever. Apparently at some point that activates and she murders Angie. And that's in the book. Yeah. So at one point in the film where she's talking about, oh, no one's safe around me in, in the dramatic edgy way. Like if they'd have actually put some of that information in delicately, I don't know how they would have managed that, but delicately, that actually would have added some personality, some reason to actually care about Alice, I feel like. Um, yeah, definitely. definitely. She yeah. couldn't act it well enough, though. That, she couldn't well, act. That is probably true. Adam, how she do you feel about She couldn't act the remorse. Um, yeah, the characters? Yeah, the characters. Go ahead. Um, it's just like, all the adults in the movie are like Alice, uh, but less. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has the same flipping, monotone, kind of kind of a badass you know even lj doesn't have like any quips no it's oh, yeah, true. they, they did him very the... dirty in this film mm. and, in this and film. while we're talking about that i don't care if people want to say it's an homage or whatever i am so tired of the person gets bit and doesn't tell anyone trust yes. i'm so tired of that like we get it Oh my god, it's been done so many times. Um, but whatever. Yeah, there um, is. But um, yeah, watching this back is almost like this is like a precursor to The Walking Dead with stuff like that. They introduce all, all right. these characters that you're like, yep, they're all just going to die for the sake of like, yeah, it's trying it's to just... be an impact, but it's not. You know, it's yeah, it's, right, very, exactly. it's very lazy. It's extremely lazy, and and like I say, everyone's almost the same character, but like not as good as Alice. Mm. Like they, like they're all scowling. They're all like, you know, it's like it feels like the only way he, Paul W. S. Anderson can direct is to be like, well, it's a bleak time, so everyone would be edgy and angry and and like distant. No one would be nice to each other, really. It's just like, oh, okay, God, we get it. Mm. The like you were saying earlier, um, the uh, Ian Glenn's character. Uh, Dr. Isaacs he's he's probably the best character in the movie just because that guy's a competent actor 
um, you know, and and that probably brought his scenes, although they were completely removed from the movie almost, they were just unnecessary cutaways because whatever he's trying to do, he really doesn't accomplish anything. Mm. But it was still more enjoyable than the movie because, like, you could see the guy had some sort of presence, some sort of, you know, acting ability. And, uh, you know, the scene with the zombie, like, knows how to use a cell phone. If you go back and watch that with the two, <laughs> the two guys he's acting with are just just as bad as everyone else. Like <laughs> you see how if you you're looking at the zombie, but if you look at the guys instead, when the zombie starts using the cell phone, their faces are hilarious. <laughs> like oh my god, he could use a cell phone. <laughs> like um, it's but it yeah it's it was a shame you know probably like the white queen was a better actress than <laughs> most of them and she was supposed to be monotone mm. you know yeah no one else but... thinks she had cotton bud in her mouth it sounded very strange <laughs> right yeah she was trying to... was it the same was it the same actress as no. the red queen I'm no okay certain, i didn't no. think so because she's trying to do the red queen basically yeah. obviously because it's the same sort of program but obviously she it that the red queen was probably just pretty much her her nice little actual English accent, whereas this girl was probably trying to do a, you know, a copy of that. Yeah, probably. Dr. Isaacs, is it time to go out for fishing yet? Right. <laughs> Come on, Dr. Isaacs. Uh, but, dude, as well, this is something I want to bring up, and I don't know when I'll get a chance to do it. There's a part where she appears, and she says, there's been a giant spike in alpha brainwaves. Like alpha, that's like alpha and beta, yeah. right? Alpha is obviously like something crazy, like wow, alpha brain waves, like that's big. And then she goes, "There's a forty-five percent probability it's Alice." What the hell else could it be? <laughs> <laughs> a giant spike in alpha brain waves. There's a forty less than less than a half chance that it's Alice. <laughs> oh. What is out there? What is outside of Vegas? That's what I want to know. About. <laughs> I think though it's worth you bringing up the White Queen actually because I think it's really interesting that we're on film number three. I don't know if they expected this to perhaps be a trilogy, but the way they left it cliffhangery tells me no. But it's really interesting we're on film number three and we're already referencing the first film heavily with White Queen. The way it opens uh, is meant to be identical to the first film before it sort of takes a slight turn. And the way it ends as well, you've got the laser corridor as well. Just one of many, many yeah. times we're going to see that. Uh, yeah. How do we feel about... The laser grid shows up twice in this movie. It does, actually. It does, yeah. Right, at the beginning. And and then it claims another victim. I think it's got (laughs) the highest kill count outside of Alice. (laughs) (laughs) How do we feel about sort of the end of the film? Um, Dr. Isaac's getting infected by these zombies that have got Alice's DNA, which makes him super-powered and therefore turns him into the tyrant. Gives him tentacles, I guess... Alice doesn't have tentacles because reasons, even though it's her blood that caused it. I was a little bit annoyed by that because I think if you're going to do a tyrant, why not do a giant claw? Why do the tentacles? That's Nemesis's thing. You've taken that away. A little bit upset by that. But uh, yeah, tyrant. How do we feel about the sort of close out of this? Adam, why don't you start this one? Um, I actually, this is where I, I've disrespected the movie entirely, but I actually like the practical effects on the tyrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, I, I'm like you said, I'm not too convinced about the um the tentacles i feel like that was probably because a big claw might have looked too prosthetic Mm. 
Whereas the tentacles is just another thing that he can spaff CG at, you know, like right, oh, yeah. oh. CG some tentacles that make them come out in their mouth and stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I actually did like the prosthetic, his body. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. I thought it looked kind of, you know, Resident Evil-esque. It, it definitely could have a place in a Resident Evil movie more than a lot of the stuff more than the container that holds more zombies that you could fit in a container and it's still pitch black and you can't see into it <laughs> so you know there's that it was a plus james how you feel about the end of the film and how it all wraps up um i just want to quickly because we we glossed over characters a little bit but i just want to quickly talk about um the amazing acting of ashanti and, oh sure uh, yeah. ashanti's death and uh her 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 Squeaking down a window, I thought that was fantastic. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> crows, crows are not native to Nevada, by the way. <laughs> Man, deserts and crows, deserts also, don't mix well with birds. Normally. Also, only uh, vultures. Also, because somebody mentioned it in our podcast podcast live chat, murder crows, master crow of crow army, wasting bullets on thousands of crows. That is all. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just say that there was a thing about fuel in this film where they didn't have enough to go on. They still managed to chuck a flamethrower out. Does that make any sense to anyone else either? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she does a Gandalf moment. Ooh, and just burns everything. So the end of the film... Oh, man, what happened at the end? Oh, yeah, she released her people uh, so they could go. Um, she became an army <laughs> of Alice's and f***ing Paul yeah. W.S. Anderson sprayed his load everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um, I yeah I like like Adam I really like the I in my in my in my notes I've called him Nemi Birkin two electric boogaloo, um, but I, I really I really liked his his look um, every time he used the tentacles which again awful CG don't use CG if it's not going to work mm. um, but yeah insert hentai reference here but mm. it was still cool um, I really liked the character and Ian Glenn again just making a really cool doing a really cool act there with the with the with the suit and everything um also i want to mention carlos i quite like carlos and rip to carlos because it was a cool final cut of him in the in in the truck when mm. he gave up his life yeah, out of all it. of them out of all of the um out of all of the the two dimension one dimensional characters um he was probably the best um and i loved it every time he smiled um but yeah um i <laughs> i, I I, I I like the movie. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I like. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. We've broken so I, James. You have because you made me watch this movie, and I tried to. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, You're I, I... the duality of man. No. <laughs> no, James I, is like I, our I most positive member, and we've put him through this, <laughs> and now we've broken him. <laughs> I didn't. I did. I didn't like the ending. I didn't like where they were going with it with the multiple Alice's. I was like, well, now you've got multiple Alice's, which means the original Alice doesn't matter anymore. And then the next film comes along. It's like, oh, they really don't matter anymore. And, <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk about that later on. Steve, how do you feel about how it all shakes out? Uh, uh, no, all right. <laughs> so I actually think mod- the later games have helped me a bit here because while it's a it's a terrible tyrant. I actually kind of feel like if you just sprayed it up jet black, it'd make a great molded. <laughs> you know, uh, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. That's Do we know if Dead Aim had come out by then? Because that was the only other game I know of where it had a tyrant with tentacles. I think um, so. Yeah, because that could have been some kind of weird. I Dead doubt Aim it was a reference. Pre twenty ten. You know, uh, uh, Extinction is two thousand seven. I think uh, and oh, Dead Aim was yeah, two thousand. Dead Aim was two thousand three. I thought it was a bit later than that, but yes, it definitely. could have been a very subtle reference. I highly doubt that, to be honest. Let's, I mean, do you really think Paul Dewey Sanderson has played all the spin-offs? All right, let's 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 move on to Afterlife as soon as possible, but quickly just sum up our thoughts on Extinction. Uh, Steve, go on then. What, what, do you, what would you say about Extinction if you could sum it up as uh, tightly as possible? It, it's, it's boring. You know, I, I enjoyed bits and pieces of it, but generally, whenever... Whenever Mila Jovovich is on, on screen, all I'm going to know, all I know is she's going to blow things up, she's going to kill things, and the plot will pretend it's like actually got some kind of big, deep revelation. But then it's just let's roll into the next action sequence. Uh, whenever anyone else is on screen, it, it, it generally just like let's build up to the next action sequence. It's it's very, I, I want to say formulaic, but I'm not even sure what the formula is. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's true. I, I liked the visual setting of the desert because it's something we're not seeing in a Resi game properly. Uh, I can appreciate that they attempted to have someone other than just Alice being the action star because Claire Redfield, while she's not like her game counterpart, does do things. But otherwise, it's just bleh. And the, the reveal of a million Alice's at the end just kind of like went, oh, great, here mm. we go. Now, Every- then we'll just have everyone being Mila in the next film. Yeah, every fan's nightmare at the end there. James, how would you <laughs> sum up Extinction? It is a horror film. <laughs> um, yeah, didn't like it. Beige. 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 RC Alice, random Aussie dead, spicy trucker. I'm going down my notes. Dr. Isaac's thriller cosplay, Rip Carlos. Cool finals cut, then. Adam, sum up Extinction for me. Ugh, dull. <laughs> yeah. Boring. I spent the entire movie wishing I could have watched um, a different movie about the backstory of the weird inbred family from the beginning. (laughs) Um, They had more character than almost every other character in this movie. Uh, It was just like, and it does, and spoiler alert, it doesn't get better. Mm. Uh, So let's just get 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 it it over and done with it. Get the next (laughs) one. Get that one over and done with as well. So for me, obviously, I said that when I saw this first time, I kind of liked it, that it was doing its own thing and striking out, trying to just have its own location and its own stuff going on. Now I can't decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I really have no idea. Uh, it's it's bad. And what it right weirdly comes down to is, whilst I liked it originally because it was moving into its own direction... I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it makes me miss Resident Evil Apocalypse just because of how fun and goofy that film was. By comparison, dude, 100%. This is we didn't know we didn't know how good we had it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And as you'll remember, that's the bottom of the list on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> this is you know second from bottom, and now we're going to move on to the film that sits between those. So well, let's let's do let's it. bow out on Luigi's. Um, quote here in the Discord server Extinction Mad Max without people being mad nor Max (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful And now reading the file 
Prisoner's Diary from Resident Evil Code Veronica, BB Mac, who you can follow on Twitter at BB underscore Mac. May 13th. Ugh, this room stinks of death. Based upon the information I found, I believe that I'm far south of the equator. Lucky for me that Bob in the bunk below me is one of those interesting types of guys. May 16th. Today Bob told some crazy story of why he was put in this place with me. Bob said that he used to be an attendant of the head of this place. This boss named Alfred supposedly placed him in here because of a tiny little mistake. What does that mean? What's going to happen to me? May 20th. Without warning, a group of military men took Bob to the building behind the guillotine stand. At midnight, I'll sneak out of here to see him. I've been hearing that anyone taken to that building never comes back. On top of that, there are these really large plastic bags being constantly being removed from that place. I better pray for Bob. May 21st. I was wrong. I shouldn't have gone there. What is going on in there? All I could hear was some insanely creepy laughter and the sound of Bob screaming. I don't know what to do. I can't stop thinking about it. Is that going to happen to me? I can't let it. I just can't. May 27th. Since my last entry, all of my fellow inmates have been taken to that building. I know that I'm next. It's obvious that we were all here to be used as Alvarez guinea pigs. There's no way out. What am I going to do? Right, Resident Evil Afterlife, the, form, the fourth film in the series was released September 2nd, 2010, had the second highest budget and the second highest return of the franchise. Budget was $60 million, which it made back in the US alone and finished on a worldwide gross of $300 million. It was not... I, I know. It wasn't screened privately before release due to the negative criticism of the previous films, so it just kind of came out and went... Here we are. And its Rotten Tomato score is 22%, which again puts it 2% under extinction and 2% above Apocalypse. Oh, geez. This is really where I've just dropped off. I have no idea where we even start with this one. Um, if, I, if I don't know. I, I've got less notes about this, so this is going to be a struggle. And Adam has said that he doesn't know. So I have... I have one note. I have one single note, and I watched the film three hours ago, and I barely remember. It. <laughs> Steve, please, yeah, take us in some okay, kind of direction. Right. The, please. Big, the big crux of <laughs> extinction was that the world has ended, and the, the the oceans are drying up, and the whole world is becoming a twistedly broken ecology. Why does Alaska look perfectly fine? <laughs> there's trees. There's water. There's snow. There's grass. It's beautiful. It's 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 downright scenic, is what it Maybe is. Maybe it looked. <laughs> Maybe it looked way more beautiful before, but now it looks bad, but you don't know that. Oh, it looks majestic compared to the previous film. Last film was Fallout. This is like Twin Peaks or something. You know, this this is... (laughs) You could live here. It would be nice. There'd be lots of planes, but it looks 
What? Did they even watch the previous film? Right. Exactly. I never understood. I never understood why, in in this kind of event, in this zombie apocalypse event, you go to Alaska. Like that. Of course, you go to Alaska because zombies will just freeze. Mm-hmm. Like it. They they they're still tissue. So you go there and you use your human ingenuity to stay warm, and you let the zombies all freeze, and then there's no zombies to get you. So, I'm going to start at the beginning of the film, which is kind of a travesty. Um, the first, <laughs> the first three minutes are, are, are three minutes of my life I'll never get back. Um, you have a lady standing in a, the the famous crossing in Tokyo. The name escapes me. Um, Shinjuku. That's I it. Think. Thank you. Um, and there's a big slow three minute reveal that oh she's a zombie and she bites someone. Also Japan is infected. We already knew this because of extinction. It's spread everywhere, so we didn't need a throwback. To three minutes. Us. It felt like ten minutes. Sigh. Yeah. Well, three minutes it's is like still a bad music video, isn't it? Right. It's basically what it was. Um, yeah. Three minutes is a lot of screen time for an hour and a half film. Unfortunately, uh, you pan up, you get a bit of EastEnders action going on with a map, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then it gets even worse. So I, I fail to believe the, how Alice gets to Japan with her crew of dozens, maybe hundreds of clones. I guess the film's just neglected to explain that she can teleport because I don't know how they all got to Japan. Um, and then at some point she goes to Russia, I guess, because she's got a coat with some Russian writing on it. And Naruto then she gets back running. to the US <laughs> across the top of the ocean. It's yeah. just... This film, right, the beginning of this film, you just said it, it's like they didn't watch the last one. It's like a Simpsons joke where they've got two bits of like a jigsaw puzzle and they're just hammering it together. It's like, this is how it goes now. And this is how the rest of the films play out from what I remember. They just smush them together and expect it to make sense. Extinction is like its own thing. Like, it's only Vegas that is a wasteland. Maybe Mm. that was it. She was wrong. She hasn't been everywhere in the world. How (laughs) would she know? Well, she has now because she can Vegas. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah she flies back from when when you see her like traveling all over her, the plane that she's in she's in a little biplane that has like a little samurai on it like on the fin so she obviously flew that from japan but she flew that from japan to alaska it's a biplane <laughs> like oh, oh. yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that entire first chunk that Japanese section where Alice and her clones I guess the whole point of that is that she's killing off pretty much what's left of Umbrella um, save for the now recast Wesker um, Sean Roberts as Wesker who is instantly better than who played him in Extinction he, he clearly watched some footage of like he has the cadence mm. and he tries to do the accent and he does a an admirable job of it so he clearly did some research of some kind right yeah i feel like he's watched a bit of uh resident evil 5 cutscenes, and he watched the matrix films as well because there's a quite a lot of agent <laughs> yep. smith in there as well yeah um so how do we feel about this whole japanese insane moment with all the clones and i yeah james please take it away Sweet. Um, so I really like Wesker, actually. <laughs> no, that's fair. I really... He's good yeah, in this yeah, one. I... He's good in this one. Yeah, I, I really like the look of Wesker. Um, he gave off the, the right face. By the way, this is about the only good thing I'm going to say. Okay, so gonna... <laughs> right. He, 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 his mannerisms were right. He had, you know, he, he looked great. Um, you could see he researched the role. Um, he did well. However, that's where the fun stops. Because 
Uh, for some reason, again, the trope of ninja shit against guns, sorry, ninja stuff against guns <laughs> happens. Um, ridiculously bad wire work at the beginning. I don't know if anyone agrees, but oh my god. There was I wanted to bring that up, yeah. There was literally a point where she spins in the air, right? An impossible spin. You can see she's just dangling there. She's just dangling there. It's 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 disgusting. And then she's there's using like... her brain power. Come on. <laughs> and then there was, I mean, I just posted a screenshot in the in the in the Discord of things. I actually kind of like the slow moving intro and the track, but as soon as it zoomed in on that woman's face, right, and then she did that, I just went, <laughs> okay, yep. Um, that sets then, the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and then. Right after the bad wire work and the Matrix copycat, uh, which was badly done, then they use guns. She goes, she goes from knives to then guns. Um, oh yeah, I don't. Uh, she oh yeah, she waits in the plane. I mean, this is right at the beginning, right? She waits and she does that movie trope where she walks right up to Wesker, even though he's a powerful individual who's done so many things to this planet, right? And he's just destroyed the human race. She takes her time. She goes to, to his temple with an Uzi and says, got any last words? You couldn't even be equipped like, I used to drive a Cadillac, you know? <laughs> From the last I... God Resident Evil film, apparently. Yeah. You know? You thought you had rem- problems I... before. Now you've got real <laughs> problems. Like I can't actually remember what the subject was, Sai, but this intro, right, was the worst. I, it was just the worst. Um, and I could, yeah. Um, yeah. Then the plane. I, I, okay, no, no. Second good thing, the cool slow-mo just before they crash. It looked kind of cool. Mm. Right. The this cool um, it is worth saying. This is the first three D one, and they're very much pushing three D. And that slow mo shot is good evidence of the fact that uh, hey, it's Resident Evil Afterlife three D in three dimensions. <laughs> so there but, is yeah, that, there's a fair bit of that sort of thing where it's like look at the three D. But for what it's worth, yeah, some of it held up pretty decently. Yeah, but my my thing is my initial thoughts of the film. I didn't really have any because I didn't really know where she was going to go after she murdered all of her sisters right by saying sending them <laughs> here like, we go for no reason into a base right well, i mean for, for no reason no plan she just sends them all in like lemmings mm. like, and, and they she hides out on the helicopter the entire time and just lets them all die yeah mm. it's like that's that's really malicious and a really crappy thing to do to be honest to your family <laughs> right but she doesn't yeah. want the risk of being upstaged by one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, how do you feel about this intro? The uh, the we're talking about the big set piece or the the music video. Uh, everything both, up, yeah. everything up to the plane crash. <laughs> Just let's all, right, all so get that bit out of the way. The, the the bit right. Okay, we've already touched on a lot of it, but the bit that really drives my ire and starts me getting me a bit wound up is Wesker's getting away on his big secret black jet. So all of the Mila clones just stand there and shoot at it with Uzis. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they, they all run in. Monsters. They just stand there and just shoot. They don't move. <laughs> They're just hand-holding it, blasting it as if it's going to do anything. And that really, they've done all this badass martial arty flips and like throwing shurikens and kick flips. Now just stand there like robots. <laughs> yeah, they've so, all they've all got Alice powers. So why don't they all just like fly yeah. or something? Like you know. Bring the just, helicopter just down with your mind. Yeah, you know, just yeah, melt it with your brain. 
they just stand there. And and then, you know, it's the, uh, you know, it should have been, I used to drive a Cadillac, but no, I get less words. It's dull. I like, I, I like the fact that there's a, they, they set up Wesker in the previous film as to be important and then he dies. Although, spoilers, he doesn't. You know, that whole actual continuity, an attempt yeah. to having some kind of continuity, but it's just, that bit draws me out of the film. Yes. Uh, the thing that drew me out of the film more than anything was the T-virus cells that are shaped like little T's made out of jello. <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> my goodness. I want that as my light computer wallpaper, I think. It's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously this film starts off with Alice losing her powers. Um, Wesker takes them for his own, I guess, by uh, injecting her and all that business. Um she suddenly becomes human again, but then she survives a head-on collision with a mountain. So, that was <laughs> very, my only human. Note. very human. That was my only note. She says, "Thank you for making me human." Then immediately survives that would cr- uh, then immediately survives a crash that would one hundred percent kill a human. <laughs> <laughs> and then we move also, on to oh, go on. Wait, when 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 they she's like. Umbrella is an evil corporation, I get that. But in every evil corporation, not everybody working there is going to be evil. You know, there's going to be scientists that just kind of, like, potentially didn't know what they were getting themselves into. The, the Resident Evil has a great series of conflict. You know, when you, whenever you read the notes, the scientists are always like, oh, God, what have I done? Mm. You know, I'll never see my wife again. I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. She thinks that there's like no humans left, almost, and yet she'll happily go and just kill everyone in that base without even like a second thought, without like saying, "Well, maybe let's you know kill kill the guards; they've got guns." But we'll round up the scientists. Maybe we can get a cure out there. But it's like, nope, kill them all, just kill them. Yeah, and then Ugh. she spends like the next arc of the film being depressed because she doesn't know where anyone is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh. Like, so we move on to Arcadia after that and like Maybe there's a, done. a lot of my notes um, actually refer back to things we already talked about so like the stuff where it's a bit slower paced it's kind of nice so some of the Arcadia stuff shot very nicely I thought um, talking about Miller's acting the absolute worst acting she's done is when she's recording her video message which is practically near suicidal in dialogue but not with zero feeling at all um <laughs> I, and then the, I guess the story starts eventually when we get to LA uh, after she's picked up an, an amnesiac Claire Redfield. Let's try and break it down piece by piece um, and just kind of go with story first. We'll do characters just like we did before. So who wants to, to attempt to uh, talk about the story as a whole? Steve, do you want to brave it? Uh, so after nearly dying, killing Wesker, allegedly, we then go to... Around the world, we eventually find where Arcadia is meant to be. Uh, we get jumped by Claire Redfield. She's got the gem on her chest from RE5. Then Amnesiac, in, uh, yeah, yeah, Claire takes the Amnesiac Claire with her to basically go on a trip. And then they stumble across a random building at the right place, the right time, <laughs> where the arcade is parked up. And then there's a big hoo-ha, and they eventually go on the boat. And then, bang, there's Wesker. They have a fight at the end. That's pretty that's much it. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. What do you, what do you, how do you feel about that story? Did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 it hurts. It hurts. I preferred Steve's telling of it to the actual <laughs> movie. 
I mean, oh. I missed the whole drama with Chris Redfield, who is apparently a National Guardsman and has no real relevance to the plot of the series in, oh. this, in this continuity, just being who, a guy. Who uh, did his who, who did his wardrobe? <laughs> but yeah, who for did? sure, actually. Like he, the, what he what is he wearing? It's so bad. Like, See, I think it's like to be a Master Code Veronica, but done badly. I don't think so. His wardrobe is like it's like a green if boiler a doctor suit. Doctor was also an ultimate fighter. It's like Chris. <laughs> it's like Scrubs, but like Warrior Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I think like everything about Chris in this film. I mean, since we're on the subject, is incredibly, incredibly boring and incredibly wrong. Like Resident Evil Five was out by this point, as evidenced by this film, just spaffing Resident Evil Five stuff everywhere. Um, so his wardrobe is incredibly dull when you could have taken from Resi Five or whatever. Uh, the casting completely wrong. He's only in it because he's the famous guy from Prison Break and. Whether or not it was he, they cast him out of popularity, or they cast him for the lulls of putting him in the prison and having a breakout in the film, I don't know. But it's stupid, um, and he's terrible in it. I don't can't decide if that's the dialogue or he just he has the care. same. He has this, every broody character has the same. Like it's just like the previous movie. They're Alice, but worse. Every, he's the it's worst. The same every so broody character is the same. Ugh. He's the most boring so far, I found, definitely. At least yep. Carlos could, like, crack a joke and a smile. Like, I just couldn't stand him at all. He just didn't feel like Chris in the slightest. And if you thought Claire Redfield didn't feel anything like Claire, this is something else entirely. Did, is it just me, or did her outfit remind you? Uh, I mean, have you read the Heavily Island stuff? Or I, have you seen the promo stuff? It, it's in my notes, actually. Um, yeah, her outfit. Looks like it's what inspired her Heavenly Island outfit. I would like, agree with me. Uh, yeah, I would. I think that's the case. Actually, it must be. It's very close to Heavenly Island, which obviously came. That's all I'm going to say on Claire because she's not a character in this one. No, right, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, James. How do you feel about the story? I suppose. Sorry, repeat that. But how do you feel about? <laughs> don't make me. How do you feel about the story, if there is one? Uh, sorry, it keeps it keeps uh, blocking out. <laughs> How do you what? feel about the story if there is one? Oh, okay, right. Sorry, um, but I'm not kidding. It kept on it kept on missing out the, the sure prime just, words. I like, avoiding um, it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the story there isn't really one. As mm. you, you guys have said, it felt like they were trying to make a Paul WS WS Anderson Resident Evil film but they were trying to shoehorn Resident Evil 5 references everywhere that they could. Mm. Um, there's There was no reason. Like, I mean, to be honest, I completely lost interest. I Every time I watch this film, which has been about four times now, right, I, complete, <laughs> I completely lose interest about halfway through it. Mm. Is there a reason why... Who, 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 who put that spider thing on Claire? Who did that? Why is she in Alaska? Umbrella did it. Come on. Evil umbrella people did it. <laughs> what did bad. they? they got what did the they? Did they just drop her from orbit? I don't. I don't understand. Anyway, so that happened. Um, <laughs> and then, like Chris, Chris being weedy and crazy. Um, yeah, he's not I, even I, like crazy. He's just uh, moody. Yeah, you let just, me out now. He's just like very <laughs> David Boreanaz from Angel. You know? <laughs> like he's he's just yeah. Um, but yeah, there is there isn't really a. There isn't really a story. Like I, I remember writing down. Um, for some reason, she's landing on the top of a mall with a plane. Why is she doing that? It's a prison. 
Is it a prison? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, she's landing on top of this building with a plane. Why is she doing that? There, there is a, like an almost ninety percent chance that she's going to lose this plane. Why is she doing it? But then I realized this is Paul W.S. Anderson making a film. So, of course, she's going to do it. He's going to try and make Mila look as badass as possible. But in the process, he's just made her look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Like, because I know. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to keep going back to Westiger because he's the saving grace of this. I love. I still love the way he looks. I love the way he moves. I love the way he talks. Um, he is, he, if there is a, if there is a, a a real a real life Wesker, it would be that guy. I don't know what the actor's name is, but he looks amazing. Sean Roberts. Um, sorry? Sean Roberts. Sean Roberts. Okay, I remember that name because I, I like him. He he's good. He's he's a good Wesker. Um I think, yeah, so in my notes here, right? Uh, this is this is how much I cared. Okay. Uh so the my notes stop at can't see shit in this underwater scene. <laughs> 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 yep. Right, yeah. and then it's, and then it's... you just stop paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, it... the obvious foreshadowing of I'm a really good swimmer. You're probably gonna die in the water then. <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs> that bit, mate. Yeah. What I don't understand why that zombie jumps out of the water, grabs her, and then pulls her back into the water. That's not what zombies do. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense anymore. We're well, far no. enough. This is this is that true. We can just do anything. Right. This is the alien resurrection of Resident Evil films. That's how bad this is. I mean, oh yeah. man, why did you have to say those words? This movie makes me wish I would go back and watch Extinction again. <laughs> <laughs> this so there is a so there is a bit, right, where um there is a bit where they uh, you know where Alice for some reason um bombs the the lift to send her people down the lift faster and then she like <sighs> oh, jumps off the roof for some reason. I don't get right? it. Uh, yes, yes, because that's the way gravity works, but not the way Paul W.S. Anderson's gravity works. Um, <laughs> but when she's running through the crowd of zombies, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the slow-mo, it's even worse in the slow-mo because oh, you can gosh. see it for longer. But all of the zombies, they have masks on. What? You can see the masks. Oh, like, I didn't. I you was can see like, the outline. So of the money the budget for the 3D, you know? <laughs> I, was, I was, like, more interested in the fact that there was a perfect corridor of where there were no zombies. Yeah. So that she could run down that corridor. Yeah. Like, oh. I'm going to run this way, and then the zombies will all be closing in, but no one, the zombies won't close around me. They'll just not get to me in time. The, the, the fight between Chris and Claire, of course, it's ripped straight from Resident Evil 5, right? Um, and there was no emotion in, Chris, in Chris's performance, um, maybe a little bit from Claire. Um, but my favorite part of the movie, in terms of just pure like ridiculousness, is Chris being put into that plastic tube or whatever it was—the the bulletproof tube—and then firing his Uzi inside oh. <laughs> of it, right? And then not not getting eviscerated, right? Yeah. Right. And then the movie ends, or, or and... not being deaf from firing yeah. <laughs> a shield then, tube. Yeah. And, then, and then the movie ends, and the second best part of the film is the ending track. Which is a perfect circle by the outsider. Yeah, that's uh, that is fair because that's on the soundtrack for the original film, and actually is in the fourth film. So some callbacks there. Uh, and again, as I said before, these films not bad soundtrack wise. But I mean, I don't even know, like we're going all over the place with this, which is probably what it deserves. Yeah, sorry, sorry. the film deserves it. Sorry, no, no, it's okay. I'm I'm happy with it. We've I mean it's. 
you keep mentioning the Wesker fight, which is it's fine and it looks kind of cool and Wesker's decent, but it the end of this film is completely unexciting. They want it to be this epic fight. You know, it's like Anderson has played... Obviously, he's played Resident Evil 5, so he wants to have that bit in it. But there's nothing there. There's no history between the Redfields and Wesker at this point. You know, so there's One no... One big family reunion with right. people I don't know. Exactly. And at the end, as it's... well, again, they mentioned prime targets, Chris Redfield, who's just some copper in a prison, but apparently he's a prime target now. Uh, Kmart coming back is not an exciting return like they want it to be. The Plagas is in it. Don't know why. They don't explain what that is. The execution of Magini, they don't explain that. I mean, they don't explain it in the game. They don't explain anything. (laughs) Anything. This is just, yeah, this just all looks like B-roll footage, and they left the story out. You could skip between, you could skip between, like, the fights. There's no exposition. There's no That's basically what the film is. (laughs) Yeah, it's just fights. It's the Alice jumping off the building with the, the worst CGI ever. As well, and they cut to, they cut to like when they're coming out of the sewer. The I forget his name, the 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 basketball player guy, Luther. Um, mm. Luther. Okay, yeah. So he gets grabbed by a zombie, but then it turns out he doesn't die. But then, forgive me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't actually meet up with them again. Uh, so it's just like a weird plot thread. I or, don't know. I if could he's just Luther will return in the next film. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, for better or worse it's the next film <laughs> it's just such a bad movie you know what was good in this movie the the effect of the dog's head splitting open was mm, well done it looked fair. good yeah no that is yeah, true that's what that's what i got to say about this movie good that... good dog head effects <laughs> <laughs> well oh, could yeah. be better than the original re1 uh or <laughs> different because the original re1 that was practical and it looked great and this one was CG and looked good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair actually. That I mean, there's that, and I also kind of liked. Um, I don't know if his name was Angel Angelo. Um, he was kind of cool, and he got a pointless death. I actually kind of would have preferred if they'd made him Chris. To be honest, he he looks same. He seems yeah. way more like. Chris. I was thinking this during the entire film. Mm, why isn't he Chris? Yeah. Yeah, he's like easily better that he knows what a plane is for a start. That's a bad story. He's, he's dressed like him. He's got Chris's RE5 hair. Why isn't he Chris? Oh. Why? <laughs> Why is he showing the back of the head and not random? Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it hurts me. I'm not even done with it. I mean, I don't know if we really need to cover this much more. It's been a mess because it is a mess. Um, do we have a favourite shot? I'm just curious. Do we have like any favourite, like, that's actually nice visual cinema? I like some of the Alaska stuff. When you see the first uh, credit roll up, it's pretty <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I, 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 feel, I feel like, yeah, a lot of the Alaska stuff was really, really well shot when Alice wasn't in it. Um, and <laughs> when Alice wasn't in it. <laughs> And um, I, actually, as I said at the beginning, I actually r- did like the slow pan in with the the low uh, baseline at the beginning of the film before it got to Mrs. Derpy Face. Uh, yeah. Um, Another film I paid to see in cinemas, by the way. I'm really, really sad about oh, this. Oh goodness! Uh, this so... was the first time I've ever watched it. And oh geez, well, it, yeah, it I am. Um... I'm sorry. Did anyone catch the um, Pulp Fiction homage before we go? Because someone in the chat has mentioned it, and I thought it'd be oh, worth it. The, the Chris and Claire just... Yeah, like... we'll just go to town without, and reload, keep firing. <laughs> None of the shots go into his face, though. 
That's yeah. Of them. And he survives an atom bomb plane explosion. Mm. Yeah. What? Do we have any, since you said any nice shots, let's go around the room to, to round it out. What is everyone's least favourite thing about this film? Adam, what's, oh, your, what's the worst? Do... Oh, God, how do I even decide? <laughs> the the fight with uh, the fight on the rooftop with all the zombies because it's so unplausible. She uses a bomb to try to save her friends and that would just kill them. She there's so many of them up there, but yet she's had time to tie like a rope around her waist and do all. The, is it? Uh, I the whole film is trash. That everything mm. I can't decide. Everything is bad. <laughs> James, what's the worst bit for you? Um. <sighs> Yeah, the wor- the worst bit because it it chain reactioned into a bunch of other really bad scenes is just her making the decision to land on top of the prison. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Steve, what about you? What's the runtime of this film again? <laughs> no, um, no, it's it's probably still the here's all these super badass mealers just standing there with Uzis in hand, just shooting, doing mm. nothing else, just shooting. That really, really, really pissed me off. And uh, for me, I'm going to have to say, I wasn't really a fan of them shooting the Magini, but suddenly when Alice shoots him with coins, and I don't know if this is meant to be a reference to the fact that enemies drop money in the game now, that kills him, and then the coins go everywhere. She shoots him with coins. Yeah, she shoots him with dollars, doesn't she? I've only seen that in one other thing, and that was Ghost in the Shell, where there was like a weird girl who had a shotgun arm that fired coins. I thought it was a reference to that at first. Maybe it, That's maybe. not how firearms work, by the way. No, it's, it's, it's not. Well, I think <laughs> 20 minutes of chatting about this has just like burnt me out completely. And the, the worst part is there's two more to go. And I think oh, right. the fifth film, from what I remember... It makes this look like Citizen Kane. So I haven't seen those either, so that'll be fun. Thanks, I guys. Like maybe, I should, maybe I'll just leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Adam, it's your turn to save us now. You have to bring the mood up. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to Film Club Part 1, again, I would recommend that you do that, especially because the last section of the podcast, we did something pretty different, and it turned out, rather interesting in that I had a choose-your-own-adventure book that I had written when I was a child. I uh, found it, and we did it live on the podcast, and it was, a, it was a good time. And it was decreed that every time we do a film club podcast, we'll follow it up with a choose-your-own-adventure, just to make it a bit more of a light-hearted end. Um, and Adam has decided that he's going to treat us to the second round of this. So, uh, Adam, I'll, I'll just leave it in your hands now. Thank you. And mine isn't written in the hilarious child, unfortunately. <laughs> but I digress. We'll start. <clears throat> oh, Sai, put some like fun, like atmospheric music in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you come to in the back of a helicopter as it passes over Raccoon City. You must be more tired than you thought. Stretching your arms to shake away the fatigue, you jump slightly as your comms kick into life with a sharp, static pop. Okay, listen up, maggots. In case you didn't know, your team is being dropped off into Raccoon City to secure and extract a key piece of equipment. A viral outbreak has turned most of the populace into a horde of shambling, flesh-hungry monsters, and Mac's security team is having a lot of problems dealing with the situation. So I want FAS squad to get in, get the asset, and get out. 
the gruff voice is unmistakably Umbrella Commander Drizzle, a figure you definitely don't want to upset. As you look around the interior of the helicopter at your team, known to themselves as the Pueblo people, you mentally note their call signs and proficiencies. Commander Siniac Cy White, cool under fire and the team's backbone. Corporal Steve, Facebook Steve Valance, social media whiz and the first UBCS soldier in space. <laughs> Private James Moist Owlet Doherty Saunders, field medic and storyteller extraordinaire. Private Sherwin Steamforged Matthews, nautical expert with over 62 Rambos of combat experience. <laughs> and Private Jordan Serial Box 64 Subaru, cool headed comm specialist. A static burst over your headset snaps you from your thoughts. Okay, kids, it doesn't look pretty down there. The voice belongs to the last member of the team, Private Adam Boy Wonder Reeves, a pi uh, pilot and uncontested UBCS trivia champion. <laughs> <laughs> no way I can set her down in the street, but I can get you onto the roof of either the hospital or the police station. Both of the roughly the same distance from your target. Do you want to land on the roof of the hospital or the police station? I would decide this, guys. <laughs> uh, I, let's go around the room. Uh, well, you know, I, I need, I, I need some, uh, I need some green herbs. So if we could go to the hospital, yeah, let's do that. Go on, hospital. Yeah, I was going to put it to the chat, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> to, to the hospital, okay. Extraction is back here in six Rambo's. Any longer, and you're stuck here. Good luck. You watch as Boy Wonder takes to the sky. As the sound of the helicopter plates disappear into the difference, another sound takes its place. The sound of horrendous moans and shrieks. With no time to lose, you make your way down into the hospital, its corridors still bathed in fluorescent white light, the backup generators doing their job admirably. As you progress, you notice ragged bodies, all with jagged claw marks, some missing limbs. Whatever came before you made your job a lot easier. Suddenly, a strange reptilian creature comes loping around the corner, its large talons gouging the linoleum floor as it lunges at you. Who will deal with the creature? Go on, Steve. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll throw Steve, myself again. As the creature draws back its arm to eviscerate you, a sudden bright flash goes off. The creature cl clutches at its face and stumbles out of a window, falling to its death. You notice the flash come from Steve's camera phone. That's going to look great on Facebook, he says. <laughs> okay, team, no time to waste. Let's head to the street, said Sai. Do we want to take the front door or leave through the side? Oh, I think front door. Yeah, you make the choice. Front door it is. Front door? Okay. You're dead. Go back to page 12. <laughs> <laughs> no. you, you exit the building onto a street. From here, you can see the situation is worse than you can believe. Fire is engulfing buildings and cars alike. Creatures shamble around in search of fresh meat, but you have to press onwards. You cautiously advance towards the umbrella offices trying to avoid the horde. As you approach an alley, you hear a voice beckoning you in a hushed growl. Got some rare things on sale, stranger. What are you buying? A ragged merchant stands before you and opens his coat. Inside is a copy of the first Resident Evil movie on VHS and a copy of Resident Evil 3 for the PlayStation. Both are clearly pirated and Steve, Steve's eyes light up with excitement. <laughs> Steve's eyes light up with the exciting prospect of getting some media on the cheap. 
<laughs> do you purchase the VHS or the PlayStation game? <laughs> James, it's your turn, I think. Okay, um... I will purchase... The game. The merchant chuckles as you make your purchase. Come back anytime. You feel uneasy with the counterfeit goods, but must continue with the mission and continue to the umbrella offices. As you get to the front of the offices, you hear a loud crash behind you. Upon turning, you see what looks like a large tank-like pod burst open, and a large leather-bound monstrosity emerges from it. You wouldn't steal a car, the creature growls. <laughs> its eyes fixated on the pirated game clutching Steve's hands. Before it pulls a weapon to attack you. Will you dive into the umbrella office or try to fight? Oh, no. Let's fight it. Go on, bring it on. Your team dashes for cover and returns fire, but no matter what you throw at the creature, it keeps coming. One of us is going to have to keep it busy so the rest have a chance to escape, shout Si. Who will stay behind? Kind of my fault, apparently. So, yeah. Steve? It is your fault, Steve. Yeah. For the record, for listeners, always support the official release. Yeah. I thought I'd say that. As the rest of the team makes a break for the Umbrella Office, Steve rushes forward to buy his squad the precious time they need. Unloading a full clip into the thing seems to be a minor inconvenience to it, and it grabs Steve by the neck, hoisting him into the air. Steve is feeling his life fade as the creature grips onto on his as the creature's grip on his throat tightens. All of a sudden, Steve is dropped to the ground as the creature staggers wildly, a metal bar suddenly protruding from its chest. I'm the only one who could be heroic, says a woman, as she forces through the rest of the bar. Yeah, thanks, says Steve. Who are you and what was that thing? I'm Alice. I can basically do anything regardless of the laws of physics. And that thing was Lever Daddy. He was put here by the Federation of Copyright Theft to track down and kill people with knockoff merchandise. Well, thanks again, said Steve, but I gotta get back to the mission. <laughs> Steve catches up to the re- Steve catches up to the rest of the team in the umbrella office where they are met with a disheveled looking security guard. His badge states his name is Taylor, but he is mu- just mumbling gibberish about a leather daddy. Well boys, says Sai, time to get to the tenth floor and get that asset. Stairs or elevator. James, it's your choice. It's me? Oh, uh Hmm. I always like the stairs. Stairs, moans the team in unison, exercise is the worst. As the team reach the stairwell, the doors explode off their hinges and Lever Daddy forces his way out into the lobby. It looks like he isn't done yet. Cut, yells a voice, and Paul W.S. Anderson storms into the lobby. My wife killed you and she's is the best who is never wrong. Get your ass off set, you're fired. Lever Daddy pulls off his prosthetic mask to reveal Dimitri looks confused and upset. I hate working with stars, he exclaims, and storms out of the building, (laughs) leaving you free to advance to the 10th floor. You burst into the main conference room on the 10th floor. Its lights flicker on and off, making you squint to see properly. There is a rough-looking document on the table and a moaning coming from a closed door. Might be wise to secure the area before investigating, says Sherwin, nervously cocking his shotgun. Do you want to look at the document or investigate the sounds first? 
Now let's let's do it and get out. Investigate first. Investigate. Risk taker. You collect. You collectively creep to the door. The moaning getting more desperate as you approach. Three, two, one. Breach says Steve and kicks the door in. Security Chief Mac looks up from his place on the toilet. What a guy's got to do here to get some privacy. <laughs> Sheepishly, Steve closes the door. Maybe we should just look at that document then, says James, and to break the awkward silence. <laughs> Jordan picks up the warm paper and begins to read aloud. You carry on down the passage. As you do, you hear three different snarls at once. You find a Kraton and a Crimea. Your comps jumps to life. The asset, exclaims the Commander Drizzle. If this had fallen into enemy hands, they would have known all about our advanced BOWs and foolproof plans. Get to the evac site and be ready for extraction. Time to leave, boys, says Sai as Jordan pockets the asset. And the team heads back to the extraction point. Another mission in the books for the Pueblo people. Hey. On the helicopter home, you all laugh about how Steve Burnside died. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Team. Good that, times, good times. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Adam. Good, good Thank stuff. You. That was fun. It was, that was that was pretty majestic, yeah. And uh, an extra little like benefit of being a tyrant supporter, you probably heard your name in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, all the ones that were tyrants by the time it was written. Yeah, of in course. There. Not everyone is in there, but in the future, I'm going to try and do more stuff like that for people. Fantastic. There will be one more of these at least, so we'll see what happens. At least. At least. <laughs> Maybe we'll the 3D films as well. The yeah, CG ones. we might as well do one every time, right? The people love it. Or at least the I do. Will I'm, demand it. I'm dying over here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely a benefit for long-term listeners because for some reason all of our show's memes come out. <laughs> <laughs> the established first date spray law. We haven't, we haven't had a bucket of sand yet, though. No, Adam, got to work that in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was like when we were talking about it, I was like can I have time to go in and edit this before <laughs> yes but. some of that I actually popped it in the discord server some like the, the Crimea and the Kraton those are pages yeah, of fine. my yeah those are pages of my novel that we never did on the podcast that I was just like taking photos of for Adam so that's <laughs> <laughs> I do love the fact uh, yeah. that is that <laughs> it, yeah it's a vital piece of uh, umbrella BOW research <laughs> Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayPod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. And the link to that server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FASpraypod, on Instagram at FASpraypod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA spray pod you can find the podcast on youtube stitcher spotify and itunes and if you enjoyed the show please do leave us an itunes review if you can it helps spread the word you can also support the show at patreon.com forward slash fa spray pod for as little as one dollar a month our next episode continues the profile series that began in season one and this time around we'll be looking at the huge level of growth from child escaping danger to adult putting herself in the line of danger with profile sherry birkin Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinaiac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at Firebutton Games. Adam is at Vickers zero one. And James is at Moist Owlet OFF. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week.
play a door have Ali underwriting them every five seconds, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, break me down. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I'm breaking down. <laughs> Perfect um, edit. Good editing there, Steve. Yeah, you, you're thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> not quite sure what to do. Hopefully, it'll just be two seconds. In. I'm going to jump back out and jump back in again. Yeah, let's okay. just try that. Clap on, clap off. <laughs> Ah, my headphones. Hey, that sounds so much better. Am I better? Yeah. Yep. Do you want to do that okay. bit again? Just because it was kind of uh, ropey. Okay. I well, loved well. it, but it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have it as the outtakes? Um, the outtake right. has to be the arm breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> or part man, part machine, or bastard. Right. <laughs>